shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit Welcome show. back to Shit Show Saturday. We have our third or fourth European shit show, although you're not really European, mm-hmm. but living in the European. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, yes. shit show Amanda. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. In Germany. Yes. How German. was your German class? Horrible. No, it's good. It's um I I kind of wished I would have learned more by osmosis. Mm. Um but now that I'm studying it, I'm like Jesus, I don't know how to do anything in German except for like order schnitzel and cappuccinos. So um you know, it's it's a little overwhelming, but um I could say a few things. So that's good. That's yeah, good. I guess it would be different cuz like when you're at work, you're just speaking in English. All English. Yeah, it's yeah. all in English. So. It'd be a little different if you were like, maybe you could get a little side hustle like at the market. Oh my God. No, I don't want to work anymore. I just, <laughs> I'm done working. I want to, I want to socialize. I'll socialize with my German friends. I think that's a better idea. Okay. So what song do you want played? Ooh, oh, oh God. Uh, I think Welcome to the Jungle is the first one that just came into my mind. So I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Absolutely. Carbohydrate. Oh, this is really challenging because there's not a single one of them that I could not live without. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say pasta. I have to have pasta in my life. I also have to have bread, but pasta. What's your favorite pasta dish? Oh, my favorite pasta dish, believe it or not, is um, um, spaghetti. I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, it's the spaghetti with, um, olive oil and lots of garlic and spicy peppers. My mom used to make it for me when I was young. That's one of the happy memories of childhood. Um, my mom would make that for me for my birthday. Is she Italian? She is not. No, she's not. But we're from Chicago. Um, and I think she was married. Her first husband was Italian. So she learned to make, my mom can make anything. She's a really good cook. She's a good cook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Are you getting like good pretzels over there or what? Yes. The first up, there's a bakery literally on every corner, um, particularly in my neighborhood. And it's awesome because um, my neighborhood's a little bit more integrated. So you have people from all over who immigrate to Germany and they bring their own wonderful bread products. We have like Balkan bakeries and we have Turkish bakeries. But every single bakery has like certain standard things and like the pretzels, butter pretzels, that's one of them. Every grocery store has a bakery. I mean, you can't walk 10 feet without like getting bread. And I don't mean like one or two choices. I'm talking like walls of bread, Mm. all different kinds. And you buy your bread every day and everybody has their favorite bakery. Mine happens to be across the street from my house. So what do you typically get there? Oh, well, I have a couple of things. Um, there is a, I don't know how to put it. The closest thing I could say is like, it's almost like a Danish, but it's not really. And it's called Mandel pudding, which is almond. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love it. But they also have this thing called Borek, which you would love. That is Balkan slash Turkish. And it's usually like a sort of a phyllo dough. Um, with, and it comes in, the one here comes in like a spiral and I get the one with feta cheese. It is so, Mm, I mean, 
it's wonderful. Germans love butter. Germans love like they don't they don't they don't mess around. Mm-hmm. So it's, nice. It's yes. Okay, cheese. Cheese. Okay. Um, I've been going through a Parmesan kick lately. Interesting. I put pasta, of course. But for some reason, um, my boss actually bought me some really good cheese back from Italy. So um, I right now I'm like eating it in cubes, like little cubes right now, dipped in ranch dressing. Oh, interesting. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, you would love it. I promise you. Parm. Well, I'm supposed to be eating Parm a salad. Ranch. It's, okay. it's delicious. I promise you. I promise okay. you. Uh, chime in folks. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, I'm a condiment whore, but I don't know about yeah. it. Um, okay. That's mm-hmm. a great segue. Yeah. Condiment. condiment. It's either, I do love mustard, but, um, I also love Tabasco sauce. So I can't really decide between the two. Can you find that in the store there? Um, yes. Yeah. Tabasco is everywhere. It's universal. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. okay. So when did you learn that you were an adult child? Uh, um, about, Oct- well, October of 2021. Mm-hmm. um it, it's so I should back up a little bit I got Please. sober um I got so- been sober again my sobriety date is September 3rd 2013 so about nine nine and just shy of a half years so and- we're 10 years mine's the September 13th and you're September <sighs> nice oh, sweet um so I got sober from alcohol and drugs I guess I, I wasn't a drug either but um, got sober then. So I have sort of slowly been introduced to this concept of adult child through other friends in AA, but I was not ready to deal with it. I was also really busy with work because I have no boundaries. So like I was, um, I wouldn't call myself a workaholic. I, I, I was just like one step. I was like, work was dangerous for me, but it wasn't like a full-on sort of addiction. Mm-hmm. So I was really busy with that. And um, I wasn't really dating. And I moved to Germany in July of 21 and immediately started dating somebody. And we had this rather dramatic breakup um, just a few months later, two and a half months later. So this was like my longest relationship of my life, of course, at 45 years old or 44 or whatever. It's kind of a joke, but not really. But um <laughs> But, um, you know, I had heard about adult child and, you know, when me and this guy broke up, the way I felt about myself was not, was not normal, like at all. I just remember being like, God, I feel completely unlovable, like totally unlovable. And I somehow, I started listening to podcasts, I want to say, um, I can't remember trauma thrivers, I think was the first one. And I think you you maybe interviewed, I don't remember. Anyway, somehow I found your podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my goodness. You know, and I have some friends here in AA who, um, talk a lot about adult children. And, um, I was just like, uh, maybe I need to look into this a little bit. And um, I did buy the big red book and I've read through some of it, but honestly, most of it's been through your podcast that and um, some therapy work. I I did wind up, you know, I had to 
you know, fly 7,000 miles to find a therapist because uh, okay. I was not finding what I needed back home or I wasn't ready. I don't know. But um, I found my therapist who I absolutely adore. Um, and she's been really, really helpful. But yeah, definitely through your podcast. So is she, an, um, is she American? She is American. Uh-huh. Um, I got really lucky. There's a really small group of English speaking therapists here in the city that I live in. And she was the last person I reached out to. And she was the only one who was taking patients. Wow. And I was like, and she, her specialty is trauma work. And I was like, oh my God. And um, so I started seeing her. And um, one thing I love about her is she's like, look, I don't want to keep you in therapy forever. Part of what we're going to work towards is getting you to not need me anymore. I was like, at that point, I was like, I don't care if I have to see you every day for the rest of my life, you know, because I was in a really bad space. Like, um, if it was just, I felt just as raw as I did when I, no, I felt more raw then than when I got sober, you know, because uh, when I got sober, the physical challenges of getting sober are so dramatic mm-hmm. that sometimes um, I don't, I don't know that I, I mean, I definitely noticed the emotions, but it was different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was, uh, whew, that was, that was a terrible break. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. So let's talk about your childhood. Oh yeah, fun times. It was great. It was wonderful. Yeah, you, you just are, you just came to ACA to let us all know what a really picture perfect childhood could be like. Yeah, it's, it's, it was great. So where do I start? So I grew up, um, I'm from uh, Chicago originally. Yeah, I graduated from school and uh, high school in like the mid nineties. Um, so, you know, right around eighties, nineties kid. I'm an older brother, two parents who are both absolute trauma survivors. Were your parents married? Yeah, my parents were married. Yeah, my mom. So my mom's been married three times. Um, my mom's first husband was incredibly abusive. She came from this weird sort of place. Her parents were from uh, Tennessee. She grew up in Chicago. Um, they moved there, you know, during World War II to like work in factories and stuff. And so she was like lower, lower class. Um, and she was like, you didn't leave the house if you were a girl and you weren't married. And she didn't really want to particularly get married, but she felt, you know, her parents were like, get married. You have to get married and get the fuck out of the house. So she married a guy who was incredibly abusive physically. She recently was like, yeah, he, he tried to kill me, tried to kill her at a gas station. And my grandmother was like, you can't come here because if he comes here, I have to tell him that you're here. So, um, that was when my mom, she basically ran for her life and, um, she actually wound up in, she wound up having a nervous breakdown, which I can understand. And she wound up hospitalized for a while, but, um, then she, she basically like became a waitress and lived in a little studio apartment and never had to rely 
on her family again. Um, and she was able to successfully uh, divorce the first guy. She met my dad who was, and I'd laugh because my mom was like, I just wanted to have like a family, you know, just like she wanted a normal family, just like we want a normal family, you know, and that's what she wanted. And she was like, and I met, you know, I met your dad. And I just thought he had this like, you know, had a, this family. And I was like, oh my God, you thought dad was normal? And like, <laughs> like, oh my God, like, I don't know, which is more fucked up, like dad, or you thinking that dad is normal? Cause so my dad um, came from immigrant parents who were super, super, super Catholic. And he went to Catholic schools and it was very spare the rods, spoil the child, like really pretty abusive. Um, but he's the youngest of three boys. And long story short, like his whole entire family, both his brothers, his mom and dad, between the ages of he was 13 and 20, one by one, they just all died. So by the time he was 20, they were all dead. And that that that's obviously gonna affect anybody. And then my parents married, like maybe. They got together, maybe, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years later, had my brother and then had me. My dad was really, like, he loved us. We know that. Um, We have pictures that are, you know, I don't remember any of it, but a lot of really nice, I'm, I'm sure there were nice family times, but he wasn't much of a husband. He worked all the time. My mom said shortly after I was born, um, he didn't come home and she called the police and they found him at a bar. I don't, I don't think he was an alcoholic, but I think he, I don't think he was drunk. I think he was hiding and the police were like, you need to get home. And my mom told me that story for whatever reason, but, um, he, uh, he was just really emotionally unavailable. I'm certain he was emotionally unavailable to my mom. He was emotionally unavailable to my brother and I, you know, and then they wound up getting a divorce when I was seven and we moved around kind of for a bit. I don't really understand why I would say we were like working class. So we definitely weren't rich, but we weren't, um, it, we weren't getting evicted from places, nothing like that, but we moved around and, you know, changed schools and stuff and changed schools again. And, you know, I'd be like, Oh, the divorce, it never affected me. It did. It, it took me, I don't know how many years to realize that, like, that's, that's what happens. Like, you know, I, I used to think that I was like kind of a mature kid and that's just like a trauma response. Now I know this stuff, you know, my mom, it was really, really hard on her because finances were a challenge and she was really lonely, I think. And she tried dating And as you can imagine, that did not go over well because like the men she dated were complete fucking losers. They were complete turds. They really were. And I just look back at turds. I feel like that's an underused word. Yeah. Right. Like they were all fucked up. And I think that these were men who were looking, they all had kids. And I think these were men who were looking for women to take care of their kids, you know? And um, they were all crazy, absolutely every single one of them. And I look back and I'm just like, you know, what we as kids needed were stability and to learn how to like 
deal with emotions and like maybe have someone talk to us about emotions and that's not what happened. And we're put in these really unfortunate situations that none of us knew how to deal with. Right. And I think my mom's really delusional. She kind of, she would kind of be like, I don't understand why my kids do this and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, we live in a dysfunctional family. That's why your kids do whatever they do. And we didn't do, we weren't doing bad things. You know, we really weren't. My brother maybe was a bit of a pain in the ass, but uh, nothing. He wasn't like, you know, an arsonist or anything like that. You know, <laughs> <Torturing animals>, yeah. <laughs> no, it was run of the mill sort of stuff that boys do. And, mm. you know, everything it's, it, you know, it was always, oh, why is it that I have, you know, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, it was like a series of inappropriate boyfriends and, one in particular, when I was 11, the guy was a complete asshole. His kids were, and I felt, you know, I look back, he had a son who was two years older than me and a daughter who was my age. My brother's two years older than me. He also had a son who um, was maybe, I don't know, he's 10 years older than me, maybe more. And his wife had died really young. She was in her 40s, I guess, maybe late 30s of a heart attack. So you have this girl who she's 11, her mom's been dead for like two years. Mm-hmm. And um, the middle son, who at the time was like 13, they put him in this like institutional boarding school, you know, for bad kids. And I look back on that and like, I feel really bad for him. I really, really do. You know, he was living in such dysfunction he may have been an arsonist or something. I, I think that his behavior was more than run of the mill sort of, you know, it was really problematic, mm-hmm. but they put him somewhere that really, it was like, it, it, we would call it abusive now. It, it's it, the behavior is about the kid, you know? And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way it was back then, but it was incorrect. It was wrong. Anyway, this guy was an asshole. We used to stay over there all the time. All I wanted to do was be home. We had some cats. We had to get rid of the cats, you know? And it was just like, really? Like, this is not like at all normal. And my mom also hated him. Did I mention that? She also hated and resented him. But anyway, um, I'd be like, I just want to go home. And they kind of would lock us up in this house. It was just torture. It was like a fucking prison. And, um, you know, I was like, I was a little people pleaser, perfect kid who started talking back and started being like, this is inappropriate. You know, he learned some stuff that the guy, the boyfriend, whatever, learned some stuff from this, you know, school that his son was in and he would take me, he was a really big guy and I was 11 and take me by the arms and then push me into the wall and hold me up against the wall. And I'd be like, at that point, I was like, fuck you, right? Fuck you too, mom. Eat shit. And there's a very good chance that I probably said, fuck you. And it was like, you're out of control. And it's like, you're out of control. You are not my father. Anyway, long story short, my mom was going through a real bitch phase. (laughs) She went through a horrible bitch phase, basically from the time I was like 11 until I was about 25. But she was just like, well, your dad agrees with it. And they wouldn't let me call my dad who didn't live super close. My dad did not agree with it. 
And so I wound up moving in with my dad, who lived about an hour away. And so I had to start another new school. And um, my dad did not have, (laughs) you see my apartment, it was like the exact opposite of what I live in now. It was a one bedroom, total shithole. I should not have been living there, but it wasn't safe for me to be there. That's when I started smoking. That's when I really fell in like with the wrong crowd. How old were you then? 12. Uh Yeah. Smoking at 12, um, stunted my growth. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm only five, nine. So it's easier for me than you, I guess. Right. But, um, you know, and it was a challenge. It was really, really hard. And so my mom was like, well, you're going to move back in with me. So the next year I live with her and there's still this back and forth with this guy and who's kind of stalking her at this point. But, um, you know, and then it's like, my freshman year of high school, she's like, I don't remember what I did, but I pissed her off. So she's like, you're living with your dad again. Mm-hmm. So I move in with my dad again. And it's just like all this back and forth. And um, she had kicked my brother out of the house. God knows when he was 14 or something. So, you know, slept on couches until he was probably until he was like in his twenties mm-hmm. because he never had a home. Right. And, um, my dad was like, you know, my brother was finished. He was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. He said, you know what? I'm going to find a new apartment. We're going to all live together, the three of us, and it'll be fine. And we we wound up moving into this apartment um, in October and then um, of 1992. And um, in January of 1993, he uh, died suddenly of a heart attack. So um, my brother, um, again, just left and slept on somebody else's couch. And then I wound up uh, living with an aunt and uncle because like she didn't have anywhere for us to live because she had a new boyfriend at this time who was equally as big of an asshole as any of the other ones. And he was like, ah, the kids can't live here. So my mom was like, okay, my brother is an adult. We wound up, uh, she, she had a friend who moved to Washington state. She's like, we're moving to Washington state my last two years of school. And um, I just wanted to get away so bad. Like I was actually kind of excited about it. It was like really weird though. Like there are like cowboys and stuff on the West coast. And I was from Chicago and I was just like this. I don't, I don't understand. There are people wearing cowboy boots on purpose. I, (laughs) yeah. And there was still like a lot of back and forth. She, um, my mom just could not, (laughs) could not get out of her own way. We moved back once my junior year and then she sent me back, you know? Um, and by the time I graduated, I barely graduated from high school. Um, I went to like, I think seven high schools, two of them I went to twice. And, um, you know, that that's, you know, I, I can't believe I graduated, to be honest with you. And, um, but I was 17 and my mom had already left to go back to Chicago. She just left me in Washington and was like, oh, you'll, you'll probably move in with your boyfriend, um, an equally dysfunctional trauma survivor. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was really nuts. Sometimes I like say all this stuff out loud and I'm like, it's really not normal. Right. <laughs> And I also, I, I think about it and I'm like, 
sobriety has helped me so much getting sober for me that's like my foundation I had to get sober there's no way I could like move forward without um putting down the booze and um just like I look at the amount of growth even even with like you know an ACA bottom like I'm like wow I um it's like I'm really really grateful for everybody who's in my life who has helped me like put one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for everybody in my life who has like um helped me understand more about myself and feel better about just being me right and not everything that's ever happened in my life when you finally got sober had you been like in and out of the rooms no believe it or not so for me like depression and anxiety um were being held together with my booze Mm -hmm. um and I got to a point where I, I couldn't imagine living with alcohol and I couldn't imagine living without it you know I had all these physical symptoms headaches stomach problems all this stuff and I managed to kind of self-diagnose like every major terminal illness except for alcoholism like that is the one thing I could could not look at Mm. and it finally got to the point where (laughs) it was just like the hangovers were so bad and I was like man I the older I get the like worse I seem to be you know with drinking it's getting worse so um I read uh the book drinking a love story Mm -hmm. um and um I was just like oh interesting and that was like in the spring of 2013 and that's like the first time I was really introduced to like alcoholism as a concept and it was just the most anticlimactic thing in the fall 2013 that I got drunk on a Thursday night didn't mean to felt like absolute fucking dog shit the next day and I was like, well, maybe I need to go to one of these AA meetings. Cause I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I need to do that. And, um, I went the next day and I never left the rooms. I have not had a drink since. And like that, that in and of itself is a miracle. Yeah. Wow. That is. So what has happened with your mom over the years? Oh my like, God. it seems like you've, there's some level of conversating that's going on it sounds like absolutely you know my mom um it's really funny so my mom got married Mm -hmm. um when I was 19 and I'm like why couldn't you have married this guy why couldn't you have dated him before um they'd known each other for a long time and he was so nice my stepdad um they were married for um 18 or 19 years um he passed away in 2015 I, um, so I joined the Navy out of high school because I had nowhere to go and I had no discipline and, you know, I had no money. So I was like, I'll join the Navy. And, um, my parents lived in Chicago. Uh, so the first like almost year or so, um, they were really kind of a train ride away. Um, I didn't really visit very much because like, why would I do that? But it was funny. I called my mom you know, from payphone, And, um, she's like, Oh, Amanda, did I tell you I got married the other day? I was like, no, you didn't. But anyway, like she had been dating somebody. And I think, um, so it wasn't like that much of a shock, but I was just like, of course she didn't warn us beforehand. And, um, 
and they stayed married until he died. But um, bonkers, they're bonkers, completely nuts. But um, not, I mean, they didn't do things like fight and argue. I mean, they would argue, but not, not, no, they weren't volatile or anything like that. They moved around a lot. My mom has this knack for, um, she can't stay anywhere. You know, she has moved. I've been living here um, in Germany since July of 21. She's already, she's lived in three houses. Wow. She's owned, owned like three houses in that time. And I mean, I'm not kidding when I say, I, I'm certain that they moved at least a minimum of 25 times. Minimum. It's not normal. So, and then over the years, it's like she winds up losing things, you know, like family photos because they've moved around so much and, you know, that sort of stuff. She's crazy. <laughs> She's bonkers. She is bonkers. I love my mom. I really do. I love her very much. And, you know, I work with my therapist on, you know, I'm a people pleaser and I learned early on that I can be punished for my feelings. I can be punished for what I say. Somehow I am responsible for how other people feel. It's been a lesson with my therapist and like saying some things to my mom, like, you know, when you do this, it's really, really hurtful. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Well, you know what? You don't want to talk about it and that's fine, but I will never tell you anything about me personally, period. Just the way that my brother will never tell you anything when something normal people, when, when something, if you're going through a divorce, you talk to your, your family you talk to your parents if you're from a healthy family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I just remember I, and this is what kills me. The, the boyfriend I had here, I was, I told my mom, I was like, Hey, I'm dating somebody. It was like, when she asked me if we were still dating, I was like, no. And she's like, good. Because he had kids. And she's like, you're not a kid person. I was like, well, first and foremost, yeah, I actually do like kids. I Kids are not a deal breaker for me. I was like, so there's that. But like, do you have any idea how much pain I'm in right now? No, you don't have a clue. Yeah. You don't know me, you know, but it's just like anything else. It's like doing the work on myself, doing work with my family. There's a lot of pain in that growing process. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's absolutely worth it mm -hmm. to get to the other side. But like, I can't make somebody else do it. Absolutely. You know? And that's the hardest part. So give me some examples of growth. I, I decided to take a break from dating. I was going to take like a longer break, but then I realized that, um, well, first off, okay. So I took a break. Well, no, no, no. Let me back up. Um, first I tried to get over, um, one boyfriend by trying to like, like focus on someone else. You will be surprised by this, but that also didn't work. Oh, out. really? No shocker. Um, didn't work out. So I wasted a little time with somebody who I, um, who's, he's a cool guy. He's a super cool guy. We don't live near each other. He was fun, but, um, I knew it wasn't going to be a relationship, but I wanted to like try and pretend like I was in one, mm -hmm. not pretend like I was in one, but pretend like we had some sort of future. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't that delusional. Um, <laughs> he was really nice. Uh, he was nice. Well, Germans can be very direct sometimes in a way that can sort of make you feel like, Oh, you know, he was like, I really like you, but we can't be together. And I was like, 
never mind the fact that I didn't really want to be with him, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I was all butt hurt. Anyways, um, but what I I was like, so I I clearly needed to take a break from dating. And um, so I did and really worked with my therapist quite a bit. And honestly, you know, I joined your um, Tuesday meetings. That's the only one that's really fits with the time yeah. zone I'm in. Yeah. And so um, that has been tremendously helpful. Just sort of having a different sort of support system. And it's not that, you know, what's really crazy when you first get sober, when I first got sober, I, I focused a lot on the problem. And by the time I had like an, an ACA bottom, I was like, I need to find a solution. Mm-hmm. I can't live just in the problem. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, I need to identify the problem and then I need help getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the podcast and, and the online stuff has been really, really helpful. I feel like I'm actually growing. Like I can feel like, you know, if I have a crush on somebody, it's not all consuming if they don't like me back, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's easier for me to date, but that's because I'm like, you know, when you display a red flag, I'm not desperate for a date. So mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to be like, this isn't no, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and what's interesting too, is like, I've been on dates and being like, that person is really, really nice and really, really cool and fun to hang out with, but I don't want to date them. I don't have to think about, you know, is this person like marriage material? Will I get married? And that's like only been in the past like year. Like to me, that's like, that's, that's like a huge change from how I used to operate. I know, you know, I know, you know, I do. Yeah, I sure do. Okay. Give me three things that you like about yourself. Um, I'm really empathetic. I'm fairly clever. Um, my mom would tell me, uh, you're tall. People would kill for that, but that seems pretty superficial. Um, (laughs) you know, one, one thing I realized is that I have the capacity to really love people, even like my fucked up family and I just think of, I have a niece, she's 10 and I just love her so much. And I don't, and I don't think in like some crazy unhealthy sort of way, but, um, you know, the anniversary of my dad dying was, uh, January 5th. And, um, I sent a text to my brother, um, which was hard for me. I was like, do I say something? Do I not? A normal family would. So I was like, let's just do this. You know, we have this, you know, big time difference. And um, what my brother said was, um, he's like, yeah, I can't believe this. And he was like, um, so it's been 30 years. Wow. And he said he met his, my, my sister-in-law, my current one, 15 years uh, to the day before. So he met my sister-in-law on the anniversary of my dad's death. And I was just like, I burst into tears. I'm so glad I wasn't in public. Um, and I was just like, I'm so glad that you guys met. Um, I just love her so much. And I love, you know, my niece so much. And I bawled like a crazy person for a couple minutes. And I was just like, when you tell somebody how you feel, then you can release it. Like I did cry, but I didn't cry for the next month, you know? So it was very interesting, but yeah. 
It's beautiful. Okay, hope or dream for the future. Oh, oh man. I still hope to have like a healthy romantic relationship. I would like somebody to cuddle with in the morning, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, this yeah. has been great. I love having yes. you in group. You're an addict. You're a big value. We love having you. Thank you. I love it. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.